right. Hey, guys, and welcome to the Candidly Crew podcast. I'm your host, Chesley White. And I'm Marina Register. So how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was great. Um, we, let's see, we stayed home for the holiday. Um, first time in a while. We did Thanksgiving with my husband's family the previous week. So we were home um, this week and it was just really nice. It was it was nice to be just in one place, take it easy. My husband, Stephen, fried a turkey. Um, I don't think I've ever had fried turkey. Oh, it's delicious. Okay. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I heard a stat that like 900 people per year die from deep frying their own turkeys. Oh, you have to fully defrost it first. That's the key. That's good to know because I I just counted it out. It's like too dangerous of a thing to do. (laughs) No, he'll teach you everything you need to know if you want. Um, If I want to fry a turkey, Stephen will help me fry a turkey. Noted. Noted for sure. Perfect. Yeah. So um, we have a great podcast for you today. Yeah. So we had on Wendy Mann, who I would say is probably like a dream guest Agreed. for us. Yes. She is the CEO of Crew Network since 2017. She has over 30 years of experience in multiple organizations, including several that have commercial real estate focuses. She was instrumental in the growth, not only nationally of Crew, but also internationally, as we now have chapters in what London, Canada, they're opening one in France yes. soon. soon. I think be Paris. they're talking soon about be like Australia and Mexico. Yeah. So she's done a huge work there. And then she's also been a large proponent of not just women in business, but also large DEI initiatives. So I know she signed um, a CEO action for DEI recently. So that's yeah. been a huge focus. Pledge, of her. Yeah, so, sure. I mean, she's obviously fully like a very experienced person and such a fun person to talk to though too oh yeah I feel like it was a joy and a privilege uh, just to chat with her for a minute and just to hear her thoughts um, on commercial re- uh, real estate and um, just supporting women in commercial real estate as well it was just it was a really cool conversation and I feel like a central theme that she kept um, going back to was just being curious and being like a lifetime learner which I feel like a lot of other people have mentioned as, as well so yes. it's, it's kind of yes. interesting to see as we We've done a number of these shows, the themes that emerge mm-hmm. over time, and um, and that that was uh, that was cool to hear. So, so um, get ready, and here is our interview with Wendy Mann. Yeah, let's bring her in. All right, well, welcome to the podcast, Wendy. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. How are you all doing? Glad to be here with you. Yes, yes, and thanks for bearing with us with our, our technical <laughs> issues. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we are doing great. Uh, just got back from Thanksgiving. Um, mm-hmm. It was a really nice breakaway. I hope yours was as well. It was indeed. Awesome. Nice downtime. Awesome. Good deal. Well, um, thanks for being on the podcast. And uh, yeah, we're just ready just to dive right in. So um, I'm ready. All right. So I'm curious how you got started with commercial real estate. Like, you know, take us back to your college days and, and what you what you majored in and kind of how you first got started. Well, you know, I majored in journalism with a minor in political science, and I always thought I'd become Barbara Walters. And unfortunately, that did not happen, as you can tell, as I sit here in my office, um, not being in journalism. But I really loved uh, my liberal arts education. And when I moved to D.C., I was trying to find a job that allowed me to use my journalism and communications background. And uh, it was really hard when I came out of school in the 80s to find a, a job. And I realized I didn't want to work on the Hill. So I ended up starting to interview for 
jobs in associations because that's what I could find. And I ended up, my first job out of college was at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which of course is a global business organization. And I became very interested in the business world and uh, business globally. And, uh, and I had this very long career in a number of different associations representing a number of different industries and professions. What I really liked about it was the variety and um, one of the things I thought about journalism and, and being Barbara Walters was she has a great job. She gets to meet new people and ask questions. And so I took that to heart. And in my job as an association professional, I always felt like I had this wonderful opportunity to explore all these new industries and or uh, professions through my job in, commercial, in, uh, in the association world. So I can tell you things about um, manufacturing, uh, uh, technology and transportation, uh, healthcare distribution. These are all organizations I worked for that in the, in the mainstream world, you would never know some of the things I know and a lot of trivia. So what happened was um, I was working in the, uh, for another association in commercial real estate uh, when I was contacted to be interviewed for the crew role. And because I was already in commercial real estate, I had that foundation, but also my husband was in commercial real estate. So we had been talking about commercial real estate at home for years. He had worked for equity office properties uh, and then he went to Freddie Mac and uh, now he's with another commercial real estate association. And he was always in the HR function, but, but he would come home and we talk about what buildings were going up where in the city and why and who was building them and what would they look like and what's the better uh, multifamily versus off. So we were always having real estate conversations at home. So in my previous job, I spent a lot of time in that immersed in the content around the industry, which I it fed my curiosity, my journalism curiosity. And when I was contacted to interview for this job, um, I think one of the search committee members called me the the double whammy because I had both the association experience to run an association and I had the commercial real estate background to understand the industry. So I felt really fortunate that I could bring both of those uh, aspects to uh, to this role. And, and I couldn't have chosen better. This has been by far the, the best job because it has meaning to me both as a woman professional um, as well as uh, a professional commercial in uh, the association world that I can lead an organization where we're making a difference for women in their profession. So give me an example of the association side, like what you were doing on a, a daily basis or kind of, you know, just so I can kind of understand what that role looked like and then how mm -hmm. that segued mm -hmm. into, into crew. Well, you two know, I'm like everyone else is through this whole pandemic thing. I am on back-to-back -back Zoom calls almost all day long, every day, <laughs> and I'm ready for it to be over. Uh, so sometimes now as a treat, when I'm just having a call with one person, we just actually get on the phone. It's a, it's a really <laughs> nice change from yeah. being on Zoom so much. Uh, so I spend a lot of time interfacing with uh, uh on the calls, uh, opening up our global doors. So talking with people um, in Europe or Australia, uh, helping them understand what crew is and how we can uh, benefit them by uh, organizing an affiliate or just joining as an at-large member. I spend a lot of time talking to people who are interested in, in sponsoring or supporting. And now, you know, we, we just launched the uh, CRE CEO 
uh, pledge for action mm-hmm. in um, in advancing women and DEI in the industry. And so I spend a lot of time talking people, you know, t- talking through questions and answers. So I view my role really as a, an external um, uh, uh, connector, you know, finding opportunities and collaborations for crew that will make a difference for um, women, but also that align with our strategic plan and our growth plan. And so I've, I'm kind of that external person. You could say I, I, I'm in PR. How about that? Let's just yeah. cut to the chase. Yeah, I'm doing a lot sense. of talking, <laughs> which is just like journalism. So I feel like yeah. it all it all comes together. Yeah, that is a good fit. Yeah. So what when when you're thinking about like other associations you were a part of, and obviously you worked your way up, and you were a double whammy for Crew, but what made Crew Network really work for you? What interested you about yeah. the network, and what what excited you and made you like like oh that'll be a good challenge or that'll grow me in mm-hmm. what areas? What did that look like? Yeah, that's a really that's a really great question. Uh, you know, when I was first um, asked to interview, I declined because I said. I don't want to live in Kansas. And they said, we don't have to, you know, in this day and age. And and I will tell you, I've never regretted it. So I think uh, when I took the position, and I remember saying this on the stage in my first speech that I gave, was that uh, I learned a very hard lesson in my career from the day I set foot in Washington, D.C. And that was that I didn't know anybody. I had no network. And so what I learned um, as time went on was how important it was to build those relationships. So when I thought of crew and I thought what the purpose was in these business connections and bringing women together, that excited me. That made me think, yes, I've had that experience of being very alone in the world and trying to find my way. And wouldn't it have been great if I had known some business professionals in the city when I arrived? And I also... Throughout my career, it has always been very important to me to mentor and uh, train young women, help them grow. And I've always worked with a lot of women in this business as well, but it was really important to me. So I felt like the combination of uh, my passion for uh, advancing women just in general and my, my passion an understanding of the challenge of being unnetworked, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, really made that. And I will tell you, you know, from the time I first stood on stage and, and said that I recognized how important a network was, uh, it, I, I have to say my um, passion for and excitement about the work we're doing at Crew has grown uh, 150,000% because I see every day. I hear from women every day who say, thank you for doing that. That really is a great service or I appreciate that connection. So I get to feel in real time that I'm making a difference. And and so, I mean, I get up every day thinking, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know it's going to be important and it will make a difference to someone. And I'll tell you, sometimes even during the pandemic, I think you may know, I think you uh, at the convention, um, there was a woman who lost her job very early on. I knew her from being on a committee just relatively slightly, and I just picked up the phone and said, hey, just wanted to check on you. I heard you lost your job. And um, and she that that just made such an impact on her. And it's those mm-hmm. little things, I think, the steps we take to let people know they matter and to create those connections. That I'm so passionate about that. And now seeing our global expansion and seeing how that's changing women's lives abroad who n- never really thought about do I need others 
whether it's mm-hmm. business or just a support system. Uh, so I am just fundamentally changed by this whole experience and and I see how much it matters what we're doing. And I think every day that makes me feel like get up and do the best thing you can for this organization. Career yeah. Network has been one of those amazing things that gets better the more you know about it. It feels like the yeah. longer I'm in it and the yeah. more I know, I'm like, oh, wow, this is like I knew it was great year one, mm-hmm. but now in year six, I know it's even better than I ever imagined. Yeah. So that's really exciting. Did to it change you your life? Did you, I would did say, it I would say yeah, it has. Um, yeah, it it's put me into a different career path than I would have thought, and it's been amazing for me personally, yeah. but also just the the network that I have now in the local community, but then, you know, nationally. Yeah. 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 I mean, even your recent Inter- job change. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually just um, changed jobs. I stayed in my same company, but moved jobs, and it was because... I interviewed someone on this podcast a few months ago and she mentioned something about why it's important to take risk. And I was like, oh, I'm not happy in what I'm doing. I should be looking at what else I could do. And I talked with a bunch of people and and ended up making an amazing career change with now I have a, a female boss who I think is amazing and I have a lot more opportunity. So that's just like one of the most recent right. things that yeah. I feel like crew has yeah. done for me. And it's one of those like things that happen you were doing the podcast because you love what you're doing. You want to share a message with the world, but you met someone who said something that struck you. So I think that that is one of those moments where you say this, this changed the trajectory of my career and look how yeah. happy you are. I can see on your face. <laughs> no, it's been truly amazing. And I, yeah. if I had not been in crew, I would definitely not be doing this podcast. Right. So, um, yeah. It's amazing. Well, good for you, bravo. And I, I think that is another example of how the network, even in um, un, when moments you're unaware, can really change um, and make yes. a difference for you. So that's wonderful. But yeah, I mean, just the passion, too, that I see among women who are in this uh, organization with us and how committed they are to each other. Yeah, I definitely agree. Heart. I feel like I've my best friends are in the organization. Yeah. Like you know, it starts off as a, a network professional kind of group, and then all of a sudden you're just really close with these people um, that you've just developed these relationships over the past couple of years. Um, and now I like think of them as you know my closest friends, which yeah. is awesome. Which I'm sure you know to your story about calling the, the person that lost their job, and you know you just get to know them and you care about them, and and that leads to mm-hmm. supporting them better. Um, so I, I just think it's all all really awesome. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, with the um, international expansion of Crew Network, how has that been mm-hmm. going? I mean, are you traveling a good bit um, to help develop those relationships oh. and get started, or is it all vir- still virtual? Well, or yeah, well, you know, I've been grounded now for two years. It's killing me. It's really? Killing me. <laughs> yeah. You could have gone so well, many places. Thing, I know. So many cool well, places. You know, I mean, Paris, London. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. Um, We've done so much work virtually over the past two years, even in the pandemic. So I can tell you that, uh, you know, we're looking, we are seeking out areas where we know that there's a strong basis uh, for commercial real estate and for women. And so, um, and connections. And believe it or not, Paris, we will be launching Crew France uh, in Q1 of 2022. And that Mm -hmm. came about because someone who was a member of Crew DC relocated to Paris and she contacted us and said, I need a crew in, in Paris because I just got here and I need I need people, right? I need people yeah. around me that can 
support me and help me. And so she started talking about it. We found some contacts for her. We brought a group together and it's just magnificent how it gels and all works together. So right now we have members in 12 different countries. We are um, fully launched and operational in the UK. We are launching, as I said, in France next. Uh, We are doing some work in India and Australia has approached us. But the big thing was that we recently had a very nice article in Forbes magazine about our pledge. And uh, someone in New Zealand, a woman in New Zealand saw that in Forbes and contacted me and said, hey, I have a group of about 50 women who get together here in New Zealand. How would we go about affiliating with your organization? And I thought that is the power, right? When people start coming to you saying, we want to be part of you. And that is my dream come true. And I've said that from the very beginning of my my um, uh, hiring and, and participating. So, so you know, it all happens in different ways for different reasons. But uh, we do now have interest in APAC. We're definitely grounded in EMEA in the European markets. And uh, it's not easy. I mean, it takes work and time. And I think one other area that I should mention that um, is part of North America is Mexico City. We'll be launching in Mexico City next year as well. So there's a lot going on globally. And I think that it's important for members to understand. A lot of people will say, like um, you may have said in year one, I don't do business globally, so what do I care? Well, here's Mm -hmm. the thing. Even if you're not doing business globally, you can connect with people who will share information, insights, trends, ideas with you that you can bring back to your market that you may not even thought of. And that's where I think the power for us is in Crew Network is to understand that land might be local, but business opportunities and insights and knowledge are global. And the more we can leverage that, the more we will grow wherever we do business. And so I think the global piece is just, it's just creating a more powerful network for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I think about like the white papers that Crew does and having data from other countries is also super helpful to have not just an American perspective, but a global perspective of what it looks like for women across the globe, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So tell us what's in store for you, like five, 10, 15 years, like either business wise, personal wise, like what, what is your, what are your goals for like the next couple of years? Well, so you don't know how old I am, but I hope I'm retired in 10 years. Honestly, <laughs> that's for, honestly, I mean, I'll write it down, retired in yeah. 10 years. <laughs> okay. I hope I'm retired. Well, you know, here's the thing. So I say that, but there's work that I want to accomplish for crew. And I, I actually just had this conversation with the board two weeks ago is that um, the next five to seven years for me, what my real goal is to is to create the solid foundation for my successor. When I leave this organization, I want it to be in a solid place with great member services, great uh, global expansion, but a, a solid um, foundation for the next person to come in and take it even farther. Um, I, I have no, um, leaving a legacy or some kind of imprint is not for me. I don't, I don't really care, but I want to leave it in a really good place so that someone else can come along and really make it rise even further. And so for me, that's my goal, um, work-wise. Um, personally, I hope in five to seven years when I retire, or 10 years, but it's probably going to be seven, um, <laughs> that I am uh, 
well, for, I'm, I'm traveling probably, as you know already, I love, I love travel, but uh, I think there's so much to learn and to experience culturally and um, historically, really. And I just love going and exploring new places, particularly, I have a really big love of Europe, just because mm-hmm. there's, there's, I mean, we're a young country compared. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I, he wants to travel the US, I want to travel Europe. So we agreed <laughs> one year, he, Oh, listen, he wants to travel in a Winnebago around the country. That sounds like something like Debbie, one of our members has, they actually got an RV and they are touring around mm. USA. The only way I would do that uh, is if I could get like an Airstream or something really cool that I could like renovate yeah. and then like travel around the Even US. then, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how it's going to go, but let me say this. He bargained with me. He negotiated that I could, we, I, I love dogs. And when our last two dogs passed away, I, I just said, given the, the way my life is, I couldn't. But he negotiated two dogs when I retire if I go on the road with him for one year. And I thought, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. So I may take it. I may take that deal. But yeah, you know, I think it'll be, I, I just, I think I'll continue to be an explorer. And I and I would say to everyone out there too, you know, uh, get curious about your world. Get curious about people around you. Curiosity, I think, is the thing that will take you forward in work, um, in your personal life. Uh, and so I think that that is one thing that has served me really well is that I've always been really curious about what's out there that I haven't experienced yet, what I haven't I seen that I should see, or who don't I know that might make a big impression in my life. So I think I'll continue to be that kind of um, curious person out on the road and uh, compiling experiences and people. Um, I like to be a collector of people. I feel like uh, I love that. there's so many people out there that can touch your life and uh, yeah, be a collector of people. I tell people that a lot. Yeah, it's kind of like a lifetime learner. Like, in that, I feel like that's been the theme yeah. of a lot of people that we've talked to on the show is, you know, just being mm-hmm. so curious about what what's next, what's out there, mm-hmm. everything that they can explore. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and that even goes like if you're talking about the network um, with, you know, other countries and exploring kind of their mm-hmm. values and how they do things. I mean, that's that same curiosity yeah. that you could transfer mm-hmm. back here yeah. um, to your business, mm-hmm. um, even though you may not be doing direct business internationally. So that's yeah. true. Yeah. But I will tell you, I'm not curious about space and I will not be going to space. No matter. <laughs> same. No matter how much the price comes down. I don't even like to, this is, this is true. I am not, I don't like to fly, but I'd love mm-hmm. to travel. So I do it. But I'm not going into space. So Michael said I'm not going to have it. I'm, I just I'm saw that right recently. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, ooh, good for you. Um, no. Not for me. Yeah, Deep no. sea <laughs> and space are two things that are just, they're out the question. I don't, if we, yeah. we weren't meant to see it. I'll just be honest. I just don't think we were meant to see it. It's too dark. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. So I'm how do you, you get, you, how so. do you get through flying then? Do you just try um, to distract yourself on the plane? This is my joke. I'll tell you my joke. <laughs> Three Hail Marys and a Bloody Mary. Yeah, there you go. That seems right. There you go. <laughs> but I don't. I do say three Hail Marys every single time that we take off. But I do not drink Bloody Marys because often I'm flying in the morning, um, and Ugh. I just I can't I can't condone that morning drinking when I'm on. Oh, the they're they're so good though. That's my favorite drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mimosa girl, so that's uh, too sweet. Uh, sweet and salt. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's the deal. Anyway, there's a lot on the table at Crew, and there's a lot of good being done in all of our chapters. I'm so proud that we now have 77 chapters in North America um, with Mexico City coming on. It'll go up to 78 and then adding the global affiliates. We are really becoming a robust organization, both in the sense of our um, uh, uh, 
organizational growth, but also in, in terms of services and the activities we're doing to bring women together, to grow their leadership skills, mm-hmm. uh, to connect them. You know, our, our online platform, Crewbiz, is a phenomenal way for everyone to communicate and really was a lifesaver, I think, in many ways during COVID for everyone to um be together and be able to communicate. So, I mean, the industry, the thing that's making me, it's just shake my head is that even though we've been in a pandemic and in and out of lockdown and wearing masks and not wearing masks and all of those things for the past 24 months, commercial real estate is doing really well. And so business is good right now. And I just keep my fingers crossed that we can hold on to that going into 22 and beyond into 23. Uh, so I'm I'm very happy that crew has been able to keep members connecting to do business and and keep the um, the robustness that we've experienced in the industry. Yeah, it really has been, I mean, the most important time to keep your network, yes. I think, is now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so you mentioned um, just about how you want to leave something behind for your successor to kind of pick up and move on, which I think is a really admirable concept, which hopefully all presidents of each chapter are trying to do at the same time. That's what I'm trying to do for my, you know, next president coming in. Um, but what, so that sounds a lot like, in some ways, mentorship. So, you talked about having mentors previously. Have you had mentors? And like, what did they look like? Where did they come into your life? How did those relationships grow? I would say that there are two um, two leaders who ha- really had a great impact. Uh, the first one was a gentleman by the name of Steve, Steve Carey. He hired me when I was 24 years old and uh, gave me a robust salary of $32,000 a year. And I thought I was make a bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and, but I was 24 and, and he gave me a role as a director in the organization. Now, granted, it was a very small association, um, but I reported to him and I think I learned so much. And, and the background is he was actually a pathfinder in Vietnam. So he was a leader of a platoon and he would go ahead of the platoon and check for booby traps. And so I oh, thought, wow. like, when I look at his leadership now, I see how he was gentle and caring, but he was also very much of, uh, he encouraged you and um, inspired you to be very entrepreneurial. And I I think that had a huge impact on me in that um, he would give us all of the senior team wide latitude to try new things, to push the edge of the envelope. He encouraged it. And he was very much like that. And I think that comes, came from his training and experience and it made a difference in mine. So I approached every organization I've worked with it. How can we make it better? What can we do that will, and, and, and this is the thing is, I always say the secret to being successful in an association leadership role is to find out that what the members want and then give it to them. Like, it, it's so simple, right? So we've done a lot of assessments since I've been on board in terms of evaluations for programs, our member needs assessment, focus groups. And we've asked a lot of questions, which is why you'll see rolling out some of the things that we're doing, because we asked the members and now we're going to deliver what the customer wants. And so I think that's one really big thing that I learned from him, although he used to say, sometimes they don't know what they need until you tell them. So I think there's that, that aspect too, where yeah, like me. we can get in front of it. That's sort of like the innovation piece, right? Where yeah. you're thinking like, no one else is seeing this right now, but I could put it on the table and see how it grows. So there's that. And then um, my boss, my second boss at the same job when he he left, she came on board, was a woman. 
And she's the one that I just, uh, we butted heads for the longest time. And uh, it was clear that uh, it wasn't going to work out between us. And I ended up leaving that job. And afterwards, she called me and she said, I, I can't tell you the number of members that called me and said, I can't, I, they missed you and how great you were. She said, I'm so sorry that you left. And would you be willing to come back and work um, to take on? I was taking on part-time jobs at the time because I had had my second child. And uh, and I went back to work for her twice. And I will tell you today, we she is one of my still um, guideposts that I go to for wisdom or when I have questions or I want to find out what would you do if you were in this situation. And she always gives me great advice and really became, has a place of honor in my life and in my heart because we had that kind of, um, you know, uh, difficult beginning, but uh, I really learned a lot from her more than, you know, in the moment. So those would be the two folks that I say um, helped me the most or made an impression on me. Um, So I feel very fortunate. I've worked for some great leaders and, you know, we all work for some maybe that aren't so great. And they're all lessons to be learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I kind of consider you a mentor to the entire crew network. <laughs> but do are you mentoring anyone specifically now? You know, I'm not. That's a really interesting question. I'm not. My time is so limited right now. But uh, yeah. you, know who I spend, you know who I spend a lot of time with, though, interestingly enough? The scholars. Because they when I meet them at the... Um, at the convention every year, they always like to follow up and start, you know, kind of just talk to someone. And so typically I'll, I'll meet with scholars just to say hello and spend a few minutes with them and ask them a lot about what they'd like to do and where they'd like to go. And then I end up connecting them with two or three other people in the industry because that's, a, I think, a gift I can give to them to create those connections and start that network that they they will need when they graduate. And so that's been really rewarding for me. Um, so I, you know, maybe one of these days when things calm down a little bit, I will take on mentoring. Yeah. Yeah. We just started a mentorship program in our chapter, and I think it's been really successful so far. And this podcast is actually kind of a, a part of that running alongside of it. Um, and I don't know, it's just, it's really, it's a cool resource to have. So yeah. You know, mentors mentors and sponsors are so important in your career. And I think mentors as a sounding board, as someone who can give you wisdom and guidance, you know, it's again, when you don't have a network, you're lost. When you don't have a mentor and you're a young woman in the business, you can like make a lot of missteps. So wouldn't it be mm-hmm. great if everyone had someone they could turn to and say, hey, this situation happened. Should I apologize or should I you know, reel it back. Am I doing too much? You know, it's just great to have that sounding board. And I I like to think that crew gives you that as well. Mm -hmm. And it may not Mm -hmm. be a formal mentor, but every time you meet women in this network and they start talking about their experience, you can share yours and you do get some of that um, uh, not really solicited advice, but some wisdom, especially among our, uh, you know, our older generation of, I shouldn't say older, our more experienced (laughs) generation of women leaders in commercial real estate. Um, but I do think that is the beauty of it. And it's great to hear that your chapter has done that and that it's going so well. I think that is pretty much the heart of crew is making those connections. 
Yeah, I think it. I think mentorship, or I know that the mentors that I have had have helped me be more proactive. Because there's a lot of times you're like, well, if I just do a good job and I just like keep doing a good job, like I'll be fine. And I do think mm-hmm. that the business world is not as kind as that. Yeah. And so you do have to be more proactive and be looking for your next opportunity or what you need to be doing differently. So. Again, it's really helpful to have someone like I've had people in crew that I've bounced like something off of to say like, hey, this happened at work. Like, what do you think? And then also had had people tell me about how they did something. And I'm like, oh, they were really proactive in that moment. Should I be doing something Mm -hmm. similar? And so having that and and honestly, just the being a woman in business is just such an interesting thing. And my my best mentor was a woman in my company who had done this for years before me and is now running our mentorship program. Yeah. So um, okay. it's just super helpful to have that. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, so thinking about your career as a whole, were there any unique growth opportunities that presented themselves that you, you know, maybe were questioning at the time, or you thought, well, this this could be interesting. I don't know where this is going to go, but you decided to take that leap and try it. Yeah, there were two times, and one is one was really funny, and one brought me to where I am. But I, you know, I, when I was twenty four, and I took that the job with my boss Steve Carey. Um, the position he offered me was a director level position reporting to the CEO. And I'm I'm 24. I don't know what's going on. I barely know how I'm going to meet my more or my my rent check, you know, each month like I, I mean, I know how to do work. I know business um having been at the chamber, uh but the job I was like, you know, and I will tell you this is how I know. I remember this distinctly. After I got off the phone, they made me the offer. I got, hung up the phone. I immediately called my mother and said, Oh my God, I just accepted this job. I don't even know if I can do it. And my mom, of course, being a good mom said, well, they must have saw something in you that makes them think that you can. So just go. And so it was, I was not, I I, I did, I guess I could, you could say I had imposter syndrome a little bit, but then I was like, I'm Wendy, man. I'm going to go in there and get this done. Love it. So, uh, so that was that was fun, and I mean that was partially my mom going. Well, if they saw something in you, you must have it. Um, and then the other one was when I was working um, before I took this job at the Commercial Real Estate Association I worked for. I, um, I just that was just such a tremendous opportunity to really dig into the industry. And again, remember my journalism background, I always felt like every time I worked in an association, I could just learn so much. And so I oversaw the research there and it was all industry related research. And so I was, um, you know, we were way ahead of some of the trends and I was always excited to see new things on the horizon. And so I think that, um, you know, that was, I felt really grounded in the industry itself. And when I was approached by crew to, become CEO, I thought, um, you know, I don't know that I felt like I couldn't do it. I just thought, how am I going to lead? I guess the question was, how am I going to lead a team of people when I'm not there um, on, you know, day to day? And the truth is, you can't, it's, it can be done. And we had great employees on staff. We we still have most of them there. And uh, they know what their jobs are, and they get it done. And so, I think it's a combination of adapting to the situation and understanding. And and I'll tell you that 
when I came to crew, I brought Zoom to crew for the first time and we started using Zoom in 2017. So when the pandemic came, we were all Zoom genius. We, we just knew what we were doing. But I think that that really enabled me to feel more comfortable as a leader. And I spent a lot of time in the office early on because I, I, I really felt it was important to the staff and to the team that we solidify. And so I think that's probably what my concern was and sort of how I worked through it was that um, I, I'm there when I'm there and I'm fully present there. And when I'm on the road, there are people there getting everything done that 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 our customers need. And I just have to have faith that it'll all work out. And, and it does. But I think it's just that important to um, to understand the people component as well as the business component. Um, and I yeah. think that's something I learned throughout my career is as a leader to focus on not just what you, what I think you said earlier was not just putting my head down and working really hard, but building the emotional intelligence and this people skills, which I'll be honest with me. I, I mean, I still work on that every day. I know my husband always says we're a work in progress until we rest in peace. So a, a work in progress is WIP until RIP. I mean, you're always growing and learning and trying to be the best you can. So, um, so I yep. think that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Well, I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned you have two kids. Is that right? I do. Yes. So, so how was um, how has that been with work and balancing work and family life? Has, was it ever a difficult time when they were younger or, or even now? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, Chelsea, I'll tell you, it's fabulous now. I'm an empty nester. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my so believe it or not. Um, I became a grandmother during COVID. My oh, daughter congrats. is 30. Yeah, thank you. My daughter is, is 30, and uh, she actually left full-time work as an OT to be a full-time mom, and she's loving that lifestyle, uh, had always wanted to be a full-time mom. Um, the nice thing for me t- is my son, who is 27, um, is also in commercial real estate. He works for JLL. So my, my husband, my son, and I get together. All we do is talk about commercial real estate. And I'll tell you, my daughter gets really frustrated. And one day, my husband and I, this was maybe like three years ago, we were taking her out to lunch and we're driving down the road. And he says, you know, did you see that new building going up down there in Crystal City? Why do you think they're putting it there? Is, are they building multi, multi? And we just talked the whole road drive down to the restaurant. And my daughter, we were at a stoplight and she looks at us and she's leans forward from the back seat and says, is this what you do now? You drive around and talk about what's being built in the community. I'm like, pretty much. We are always saying like, did you see that? So she thought, she thinks we're insane. And when the three of us are together, she really, really does not like it very much. But, um, but so, 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 so having family in commercial real estate has been fun too, because we are always discussing the industry trends, what's going on, what's being built. Um, and so both of, I will say this, this is, I, I will say as a, a mother, when I was younger and building my career, um, I was asked by other young women. So I had my first baby at 27 and my second baby at 31, 30, 30 31. They're three and a half years apart. Um, and I was, I was super young. The, the upside of that was that I had a lot of energy to chase kids around and work. The, the <laughs> downside of that was there's actually no downside because I was an empty nester by the time I was 48. So, um, 
But I will say this, that I remember young women at work saying, how do you do it? And, and this is the truth. I said to them, look, if I stopped to think about it, I probably could. But all I do is get up every day and I know what needs to be done. I have the calendar organized. I buy the birthday presents on the weekends for all the part. Like we go to soccer games. It just consumes your life, kids and work. And mm-hmm. there's a point where you just accept. I, I knew I had to have a career. I was not going to be a stay-at-home mom. I needed to work for both my sake and their sake, to be honest with you. I love to work. And so we made it work. My husband and I, you know, he's a 50% guy. He, he wasn't a dad that was absent. I mean, he was around. He did, um, he did a lot with the kids. And if it weren't for us working as a team, I could see how it would have been really difficult. Although mm-hmm. I will add, for the first 15 years of our marriage, he traveled extensively, like almost every week. And, uh, and I sort of felt like a single mom a lot. And then he would come home and he'd try to be like going, well, what can I do? I'm like, don't wreck our system. We have a system for, for how everything works when you're gone. Um, so, um, so it worked out really well. And, uh, but, but, you know, it's not easy. And I would say as a wife, as a mother, and as a, a boss, as you can see, I have my little sign up in the corner of my office. Um, you are you are always multitasking and you are always yeah. taking care of multiple, a million things. Uh, the truth of the matter is it, it doesn't get easier um, even when they get older because there's different kinds of demands. But I think that they appreciate you more as they see how what you're doing and how you go about um, keeping everything going forward. And uh, I wouldn't change a thing. I really wouldn't. We had some rough times um, and... Uh, but they all, I mean, my husband always says, gee, we raised two kids and they're taxpaying citizens now on their own. Isn't that great? <laughs> we did it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. 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 Now, I'm get, the same now, way. Now get in the Winnebago. Get in the Winnebago. We're going. No. We're not there. We're traveling we're there, the U.S. <laughs> yeah. So did you- my granddaughter, it, my granddaughter is 18 months old. And so now the challenge for me is being on the road and working is when do I get to see her? Right, um, so, right. but, it, but it'll all work out. She'll know me. I hope she follows in my footsteps. Did you have any flexibility in your career early on to be able to to go leave for, you know, things like soccer games or doctor's appointments or anything like that? I feel like it, you know, might have been a different time in terms of like what, what you're able to do. Yeah. Well, first of all, teleworking was absolutely never on the table. Never. And we didn't have the systems until, well, I won't tell you that... It, I didn't start on a typewriter, but there was a, a system called Wang, computer system. That's what I started on. <laughs> um, but you didn't have the technology to yeah. make this happen. And so it would have been, you could do it. I remember after I had my first baby, I took off, I think, three months maybe. But I started working from home my fourth month, and they would FedEx me a package of stuff once oh, a week. Goodness. Here's stuff wow. that you need to get. Uh, so, um and so there wasn't the telework piece. Now, if you had a doctor's appointment or the kids did, you could, you know, take the kids and go and nobody really questioned that. Or if you were having a refrigerator delivered, whatever it was, you know, that you had a home need, you could do it. But it wasn't really, I wouldn't say it was frowned upon, but it wasn't encouraged. It was show up, be present, let people know you're working kind of attitude. And that was very much the command and control 80s uh, and that generation of leaders as well very much um, like that. And so my husband and I traded off a lot. That's why I said he was equally present. So if they had a game and he had a little more flexibility, he would go if I had some flexibility. But but typically, so our our kids also, their games were mostly um, 
in the evening. So it didn't, it didn't affect, but I will yeah. say that from that, what women have today is like eons beyond what I had, but I also recognize that it's still not enough. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's uh, my company. We really started to have that flexible lifestyle. Um, majority of us are either moms or, or dog moms. Um, and actually we, we hired our first guy in October. Yeah. So that was great. Um, but but um, I feel like that's one of the reasons why we started the company was to have that flexible lifestyle. And I feel like especially with COVID, things have gotten even better because everyone has realized like you can work wherever and you can still be productive and you just have to trust your employees are, are doing mm-hmm. what they can. So I don't know. It's a, it's a positive thing yeah. going on. Yeah. Well, I think what's going to happen on that, because I, I do a lot of reading, um, but I do think what, what will happen as time goes on and you have a different generation of leaders in place as more of the baby boomers leave, but also that um, we move away from being present, being the measure of, of work being done, and that yes. performance reviews really focus on outcomes and results. What did you deliver? What did you um, put in? What did you bring to the table? What were the outcomes? So I think, and I think that's right. I think that accountability shouldn't be about showing up and sitting at your desk. Accountability should be about results and outcomes. Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, well, I the I know we're probably <laughs> running short on time, but I want to know about the crew podcast real quick. How did that get started and, and how's it going for you and what have you learned from it? Well, I love the proof, you know, so first of all, now you know my secret that it lets me feed my inner Barbara Walters by interviewing people <laughs> right. and, and I get to meet new people and ask questions. So it's perfect for me. I think the important thing for me was when I came to Crew that I felt like we needed to have our, our brand and reputation needed to be out there in a more significant way. And I think the podcast has allowed the organization to become more prominent and um, well-respected. And it has allowed us to introduce people who you might not ever meet if you're working in a small market or if you don't get to attend a convention. It allowed us to bring those people um, to the table for their story and to, to share their outcomes of how they've achieved what they've achieved. So it's inspiring women. It's putting our voice out into the marketplace. And it is um, connecting people in a way that we hadn't before. And I think that all of those things have become uh, very important in our, um, in the type of world we live in today that where everything's hyper-connected and, uh, and talked about really. So um, I have really enjoyed CrewCast and uh, we've done different themes uh, around executive women or, um, you know, sometimes, well, we're doing one, we'll do one now with um, uh, senior executive or CEO men and interview them about being a leader in today's world. And, and, and so that it's been fun to, to experience that and share their stories as well as hopefully inspire uh, those who listen in. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure it fuels your curiosity as well just to hear what other people are doing. A hundred percent. I get yeah. great ideas too. Like just yeah. listening to them talk about <laughs> things that they've done. I go, but you know, it's my own, my radar is always on like, could we take that and do this, this, and this? And then that's something that customers would want. So I'm never not thinking about the wheels are always spinning. Unfortunately yeah. for the people around me, I'm always like, oh, we could do this. So, but, but we as Crew Network have implemented a fair number. Our career services are much better than ever. We've implemented um, a, um, a, an internship website. 
We are launching our councils for that more intimate experience of building relationships and business partners. Uh, so I think we're on the way to um, to real um, uh, greatness in terms of the impact we'll have on the industry and and really making a difference in advancing women in commercial real estate. Perfect. Yeah, I definitely agree. Awesome. Should we do rapid fire questions? Absolutely. All right. So thank you so much <laughs> for talking time. with us. It's time for our fun questions where we get to know okay. more about you personally. So what do you like to do for fun? I read a bazillion books. So I, when I have downtime, I like to read. And I think the reason why is because it allows me to escape my brain. It's so books are my thing. And uh, I love that. And travel. I would say those mm-hmm. two things I love to do. Okay, well, that was the question number two. What's your favorite place to travel? Oh, I think I wrote this down so that I would remember. <laughs> um, I, di- I didn't actually write it down. My favorite place to travel. So first of all, I love New York City. It's my favorite city in the U.S. And I've been to other cities like Toronto and London who are comparable, and I like them as well. So I would say that, um, that New York City is my favorite city to visit. I think um, Europe, I mean, we already talked about mm-hmm. that. I've only been mm-hmm. to a few yeah. places in Europe, but I have on my list all of them uh, to go to. And I'm just really enamored of the history of our world. Of And I want to go back and see the Colosseum in Italy. I want to go see the wall in Berlin. You know, I think experiencing where history was made really, it feeds my curiosity. So, so yeah. that's my travel. Do you think you'll end up, sorry, this is a sidebar question. Um, do you think you'll end up staying in D.C. long term and then just traveling elsewhere? Or would you ever do something like adventurous, like go to move somewhere else for like a month or two months or however long? OK, so here's the deal. <laughs> this is true fact. So my husband's idea was the Winnebago. My idea was, look, why don't we just go to France for two months and we'll live yes. in Paris for a month, Air, Airbnb, then we'll go to the south of France, Airbnb for a month so that. I said to him, like, I really want to be places where we can be immersed in the community, in the experience. Heck, I would even get a job at like a Starbucks just to kind of be with people. You know, he thinks I'm insane, but I I just feel like I could go to Montana. For He wants to do Montana. We love Montana. It's beautiful. If you haven't been, highly recommend it. Um, I could go to Montana for a month in the summer, but I'm not Mm going to live there in the winter. Um, So... Although I love to ski too. So, but, but yeah, so my idea was Airbnb around the world, just really yeah. spending time, significant time to really get immersed in a place. That would be my ideal. Um, so he may be driving the Winnebago off by himself <laughs> and I'm the dogs and I may be staying somewhere. But I, um, but yeah, I always that. say that like the best way to travel would just be to almost like go and pretend that you live there. Yes, I agree. And like, where would yeah. I want to go? Like, if I lived there, what would be my favorite cafe? Like, where would I yeah. want to yeah. be? And I yeah. just yeah. You think about your daily routine. Like, yes. I'll wake up every morning, I'll yeah. go to this little coffee shop, and then like watch the beautiful <laughs> sunset. That's right. Yeah, people watch. Yeah. Immerse yourself. Yeah. 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 So. Sure. Um, since you're a big reader, what is your either favorite book or favorite book genre? Well, my favorite genre, genre let me say that again. <laughs> well, my favorite genre is women's fiction. And I read a lot of women's fiction because I think that the stories um, have a great deal of impact. They, they, they can address things that you may not know are, mm-hmm. you know, turmoil inside of you that you go, wow. I, I never thought about that. So I, I find them um, cathartic in a way, and I can relate to them in a way. 
And um, here's another secret, you guys, you're getting them all today. But Harlequin Romance saved me in high school. I mean, maybe it was middle school, but I I remember in seventh and eighth grade, I would just read Harlequin Romance um, till three or four in the morning, book after book after book. And here's the thing, I grew up in a really small town and I think those stories took me places that I never thought I'd go. And, and that's why I say it saved me because it made me believe that there was something else out there that I was, it was possible for me. Forget about, you know, the hunky guy and all that, but, but that yeah. there, it was possible for me as a woman to be independent and go live on my own. And you guys are probably too young, but when Mary Tyler Moore spun around and threw her beret up in the air. Mm-hmm. I think I actually know, know about, I know who Mary Tyler Moore <laughs> yeah, is. I do too. I do too. Well, that's where I was. I was always like, that's going to be me. Um, so so I do like women's fiction. Um, that is my primary. I'm not a big you know, fantasy. But I will tell you that uh, when I first moved to D.C., I, as I mentioned, I knew no one. And I read all the time. And I was so lonely. I was so, so lonely. And um, I had one friend who lived with me. But she already knew a lot of people in the city. And I sort of always felt left out. And, um, and so I read this book. It's called And the Ladies of the Club. And it was about women who had a book club in Ohio in the... I don't know, the early 1900s. And uh, I just felt like they were all my friends because I was so alone. And the book was really thick, so it took me a long time to read it. So I always remember that book, and I remember that time period in my life. Um, But probably my favorite story ever, when I read Gone with the Wind, I was captured. Gone with the Wind and The Count of Monte Cristo, two of my Mm -hmm. favorite, favorite books. The Count is one of my favorites that I, I went through a stage where I went through classics and The Count of Monte Cristo, like I knew how it ended and I still felt like I was on the edge of my seat reading that book being like, what is going to happen? (laughs) So it's a great one. That's so funny. I just, I have been telling my son for years, you've got to read it. It's so good. It's so good. And he just finished it. So now we can have a little exchange about it. So (laughs) yeah. All right. What is your favorite or the current TV show that you're binge watching? Oh, um, we're, we just binge watched The Queen's Gambit. Oh, uh, I have so not good. seen that. Is you good? haven't? No. It's, it's good. No. I watched it early on when it came out, and it's just such a fascinating story. It is like a slower paced drama. Mm-hmm. So you have to prepare mm-hmm. yourself I've, for that. But I've it's very it's good. good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I, I really loved it. Yeah. You know how you're talking about thinking that the characters are your friends in your books? That's how I am with like Ted Lasso and like other TV shows that I've been watching. I'm like, I feel like they become my friends. And then I'm like, wait a minute, they're not here. (laughs) So I could relate a lot. Um, Okay. So our final question and actually what we think is the most important because we're big foodies. We love to eat. And actually this podcast started from us being at convention and going to a restaurant and 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 talking about ideas. Yeah. Um, Where, what is your favorite restaurant? we were oh, in San um, Diego. No, it was at the summit, the leadership summit in Santa Clara at the yeah. very beginning of 2020 before everything locked down. Yep. We we yeah. were I was president elect and she was the delegate, so we were going together and we sat down over some breakfast burritos and she's like, "I've got this idea. I think we should do crew chats that are like this." And then when the pandemic hit, her whole um, idea behind it was like, well, I love podcasts. And I was like, why Why couldn't we make a podcast? Like, why couldn't we do that since we can't have people in person? So yeah. between between Summit are. between Summit and uh, the, the pandemic, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that my favorite restaurant in Arlington is probably, I don't know, um, 
I'm going to say Cava Meza. It's a Mediterranean restaurant, and that's why I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not anything to write home about. I, I think you would <laughs> like the food. But I mean, it's just so they have Saganaki. Do you know what Sag? You know Saganaki, where they light the cheese on fire and. Okay, oh, so at Cava yes. Meza, they bring out in a um, on a wood thing in a um, cast iron pan uh, a cut of cheese that's like a big brick of cheese, and they put alcohol on it and they light it on fire and then to put out the fire they put lemon you know squeeze a lemon on it it is by far the most fantastic thing that i've ever eaten it just should i say melts in your mouth because it's yeah. just been on fire <laughs> but but that that is what drew us there and so now we can't stop ourselves we keep going back and it's small plates so we always we can always try a mm-hmm. bunch of different things yeah. and so that i think that like that kind of eating makes me happy that it's not huge amounts of food but tastes of a lot of things goes with my curiosity yeah that's right (laughs) it all comes back it all comes back to that so 100 yeah so should i should i go there the next time i'm in dc like is it uh, sure i live in mean to get flaming cheese yeah yeah okay i will tell you don't go to there's a fast food kava i don't know what they call it kava meza but there's also a sit-down restaurant so you have to go there's one in dc one in arlington and i think one in in maryland so and okay. I just want to say that I I appreciate this opportunity to speak to you, and you got more secrets out of me than anyone ever <laughs> yes, before. Yes, I love that. Well, I will say this. I respected you beforehand, and I respect you more now. Agreed. So thank you so much for taking time to talk with us and thank dealing you. through technical issues. So yeah, we really appreciate the work you do for crew and then also coming on the podcast today. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All uh, right. Honored to be here, and thank you for the invitation. Thanks so much, ladies. All right. All right. Thanks. We'll Have talk a good rest soon. of your day. Bye.